0: Hello, 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 and welcome,
1: and welcome to, to Laughbox.
0: Laughbox, the podcast for the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And now, here's your host, Chip Lutz.
1: Well, here we are, ready for season three of Left Box. New intro, new outro, great lineup of guests coming your way. First, a big shout-out to my big brother, Pete, who did the intro and outro. Has his own podcast called the Narada Audio Drama Company. that writes plays, performs with his friends. Check it out on iTunes yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, This season we're kicking off with somebody that's been on the show before, a good friend of mine, a good friend of the association. We're talking to Steve Wilson. We're talking about his journey from psychologist to joyologist and what joyology is all about. I know you're going to like it as much as I did. I love talking to Steve, super smart guy, and very few people have done as much for the association as that man right here. So grab a pen and paper and enjoy. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to Laugh Box, the official podcast of the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. And today, I'm so excited because I get to talk to a really good friend of mine. Uh, Somebody's been a mentor to me. I consider him my laugh daddy. I get to talk to Mr. Steve Wilson, founder of the World Laughter Tour and speaker extraordinaire. So, welcome, Steve, to the podcast. Big cheers to you, buddy. All right, Chip. Great to be here. This is uh, so much
2: fun all the time.
1: Absolutely.
2: you. You bet.
1: Now, we've spent a lot of time talking, but for listeners who might not know this mysterious man, Steve Wilson, if you could give them the uh, 411 on who you are, that'd be awesome.
2: Uh, Yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know, I generally introduce myself, I'm a psychologist by training, and uh have been an entertainer by inclination, and I would say, um, I had my first uh, tap dance recital when I was four years old. Uh, I've been an actor, a yo-yo champion, a folk singer, um, a magician. Uh, I, 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 you know, I like to tell jokes. This has been a thread through my whole life. Uh, I have had the good fortune of uh, finding out about uh, the power of humor and laughter uh, years ago. I uh, became seriously interested in it in uh, 1984. I was had the good fortune to meet and know many of what I call the early contemporary pioneers. Um, people like uh, uh, Bill Fry and Lee Burke and, um, you know, uh, John Morial and C.W. Metcalf and Art Gleiner, and just, uh, Annette Goodhart, and Patty Wooten. and uh, It was my good fortune to know those people personally. And here I am, an evolving human being, believing in the power of humor and laughter and for peace and health and happiness. And I am a uh, married, a very, uh, a very married uh, we just had our anniversary. Uh, Pam and I have been married 13,032 days today. We count every day. That's our way of remembering we want to make every day count. Uh, we've got five kids, 11 grandchildren, and they're all boys except for six.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Well that's a that's a great intro and I learned something new in that. I did not know that you used to you do little folk singing, see? I've learned something new about I you friend. know
2: I yeah, the 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 folk song revival in the 60s uh is, I I got jumped right in on that, took guitar lessons uh and uh led hootenannies and participated in hootenannies. Uh there's a word you don't hear very often anymore but uh yeah, the history—the history, uh, the history uh, is is written in song.
1: That's interesting. I did not know that. Well, I'm really excited about our topic today. So, you know, for those of you uh, just joining us, I'm talking to Steve Wilson. we will be talking about joyology, which I'm pretty excited about because uh, it's something that you know Steve's uh, been kind of uh, had in his life for a long time, and is bringing it back out um, to the world, reintroducing people to. Uh, Joyology, but before we get into that, I'm going to uh, just—I want to ask you just a random question, just to uh, you know get our conversation going. So, you are a yo-yo champion. What is the absolute hardest yo-yo trick?
2: Well, I'm a yo-yo champion of the old school. Uh, the the kids today are what I call new school, and they have uh, yo-yos that are engineered. Uh, for more dynamic and long-lasting and complicated tricks. Uh, I learned on a standard, what I would call a standard, traditional yo-yo. Uh, yo-yo has been around for, I think, maybe 400 years. Uh, my, one of the toughest, two hardest tricks that I, for me to do, one is called the Atom Smasher, uh, and uh, the other is called the Doggy Bite. Which is the most dangerous trick in the world for a man to do with the yo-yo?
1: I, anyway, I'll, I'll you have,
2: swing have to that. You swing the yo-yo between your legs, and it, if you do it right, it it grabs onto the seat of your pants. Um, if you don't do it right, you. I finished. I finished the program in soprano. <laughs>
1: That's awesome, i've seen that one i saw the i saw you do that one so yes there i I, I i remember that one i have a witness a witness yes <laughs> well i'm like i said i'm really excited to talk about um our topic today so let's uh, we'll jump right in on that so let's start with um some of the uh the uh the backstory on you know joyology and you being a joyologist how how did all that kind of come about? uh
2: when uh pam and i uh shortly after we were married 13032 days ago uh, we were visiting my family in philadelphia uh we uh both knew that we came from a tradition that uh, believes i'm trying to stop this phone from ringing here uh we came from a tradition that believes that um no matter what happens in life, even if it's unpleasant, uh, even if it's a difficulty or a setback or adversity, uh, that if you look all around it, uh, you will uh, come to a, a lesson that's going to be to your advantage uh, if you can learn that lesson, even from, from negative things, upset, setbacks, frustrations. Uh, Pam was looking for answers to as I was, why does this happen? And the why we were looking for answers to had to do with the sudden death and loss of somebody we loved. Mm -hmm. In my case, it was my mom who died when I was 20 years old after a few weeks after being diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Pam's first husband had died suddenly, left her a young widow with two kids. Uh, And, and, you know, you start, what, what is that? What, what, what's this about? And um, so while we were in Philadelphia, Uh, We went to a toy store, and the name of the toy store was The Last Wound Up, Uh, and at the cash register checkout, they were selling bumper stickers, and, and the bumper sticker they were selling that day said, don't postpone joy, and we both felt like that's one of the lessons of sudden loss. That's one of the lessons of losing people that we love. Our days are numbered and nobody knows what their number is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to you know, make the most out of every day. And Mark Twain said, Life is uncertain, so eat your dessert first. Oh, okay, there, you know, that. Don't always save the best for last because you, well, you may not get there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we felt that in Don't Postpone Joy. We knew that there was a poet that wrote, gather ye rosebuds while ye may, uh, and the Latin um, saying, carpe diem, seize the day. Uh, And that made a lot of sense to us. So I was already uh, becoming a professional speaker, and I was talking to people about mental health. Uh, and productivity, and creativity, and stress management, all those kind of things. And I started to work in this philosophy called Don't Postpone Joy. Um, and and after one of my talks, someone came to me and said, you know, you're not just a psychologist, you're a joyologist. And I thought, I'm going to take that. I like that nickname, a joyology, the suffix ology means the study of joy is." Happiness but but more than happiness is something deeper and I thought joy out of study of a deeper kind of happiness and uh, I got written up in the magazines and newspapers and as a joyologist. It was novel. It was interesting now, Hopefully the philosophy and the psychology of it made sense to people um, And so uh that's how I became the joyologist and I took that and I, I played off of that, you know, off and on for a while. Um, and it made sense to me as I was getting involved with therapeutic humor. Um, that, was, that was the beginning. Uh, got involved with AATH. Uh, oh, they, this, these seem like like-minded people. I can get along with these folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, te- you tell me what you want to know from there. There's obviously a lot more to it, but are we going in the right direction for this? Yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. You know, just you know, having the background on, you know, how come about and, you know, that personal story of, you know, you both realize and, hey, this is one of, the facets of, you know, this, of the lessons that we're learning of that, you know, Hey, you got a carpe diem, you got to seize that joy. And so that's, you know, I think an important thing, which I think can be difficult for people sometimes with, you know, just the overall uh, heaviness of sometimes situations they're going through. I mean, grasping that mindset is, I would think, you know, maybe easier for some than, than for others. I mean, would you agree with that or disagree?
2: That's why, right? That's why my uh, work is is about teaching and uh, enlightening, and trying to get people to uh, see another way of, of looking at life and and what happens in it. Um, I when I started to get involved with therapeutic humor, uh, I, I learned and originally learned uh, about it from Joel Goodman. Uh, Joel Goodman was the founder of something called the Humor Project, uh, and in the eighty seventies, late and and early eighties, he was running uh, conferences on on therapeutic humor, and, and six, eight hundred, a thousand people were going to these conferences. I went to some of these, and then I studied with him um, in a smaller setting for a week in upstate New York uh, one summer. Uh, And uh, it was just remarkable. But I I knew that there was something more than humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a joyful life is not a matter of luck. Having a good life or a happy life is not a miracle. It's not a fluke. It's not an accident. There are things that you can do to possibly ensure that you'll have a life like that, in that direction. Mm-hmm. More happiness. Uh, Jude, that I, I, I think life is uh, uh, an opportunity to prepare for difficulty. None of us has had the last difficulty we're ever going to have. Right. Uh, so maybe there are some things, wouldn't it be good if there were things that we could do so that when the next difficulty comes along, We could manage it better. We could handle it better. It would take less of a toll on us. We could come back from it quicker. And maybe there are things that we could do so that we could just enjoy being alive. Life is incredible. Life is awesome. Um, We can hardly comprehend what it is. So Mm -hmm. so that's, that's all of that got folded into this idea of joyology I, I there there are people who i met earlier one who were interested in humor how to have a good sense of humor norman cousins let's talk about norman cousins he laughed himself well well now you bring the word laugh in. And you've been talking you told me you're going to talk about humor now you're talking about laughing and the people who were. St- Doing uh, some of the trying to do some of the scientific work in this field uh, we're making a distinction
1: uh, mm-hmm. between
2: humor and laughter. but every time people talked about therapeutic humor, they wanted to talk about laughing mm-hmm. uh, and the research uh, on humor is very difficult to do. What makes something funny? How does humor work what 's the psychology of humor? Um, and and the scientists were turning to the physiology of laughter. So I knew that humor was important, but laughter had to be in there too, and it was something different and should, shouldn't necessarily be confused one with the other, but the two go together. Mm-hmm. And then there's certain attitudes that I think were important. How do you look at life? How do you look at things that happen? Can you cultivate attitudes that are more positive and contribute to resilience.
1: Um, well, I like what you brought up there, you know, uh, a little bit ago on that, uh, that, kind of like focusing on the pre-work that, you know, you, we, none of us have had our last life event that's going to happen. And that a lot of times, you know, I, I maintain that, you know, bouncing back, um, really it is, it's yes, what we do in that moment, but it's also a lot about the pre-work that we put into, you know, how we're living our lives, how we're feeding our souls, you know, what we're doing in our everyday life. So when that life event happens, we're able to bounce back a little bit faster. So, I mean, I like that you brought that up because I think that that's, you know, a, a huge component in, um, you know, living a more joyful life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I over Chip, let me ask you, can we pause this for a moment? Sure. I got to, I got to take a break. I'm sorry, but I got to take a break.
1: So in looking at the overall picture, I mean, you said, you know, humor is a part, laughter is a part, attitudes are a part of, you know, the whole you know, joyful life experience. How do you put that into play? As as a you know, as a regular person, I mean, for you and me, obviously, I, I look at this as like we have drank the Kool Aid, you know. We know, but there are a lot of people out there that just. You know, I, I just met a guy yesterday. Just everything came out of his mouth it was just so negative. So it was like it was talking like a Sad Sack from Beetle Bailey. Everything was you know a uh, was an issue. This was a problem. That was a problem. How how do, how do people put things into play? Uh, I.
2: Well, I, you know, I think we try to help people be open to some ideas. We look, we live in a society that for a few hundred years has had a, what I would call a very negative attitude towards humor and laughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, humor, humor, comedy, that's trivial, that's juvenile, it's immature. Uh, when are you going to grow up? Uh, get back to work. We're not here to have fun. Uh, don't laugh in church. Don't laugh in school. Don't even laugh too loud in the movies. I mean, there's just all these admonishments. These and it's and it's it's upside down. It's backwards. What we know is that humor, a sense of humor, the ability to see the lighter side of what's happening uh, is, gonna, is a saving grace. It's a strength. Uh, I came across a wonderful example of, of that in a in a book. I think William Perky was the author. And the title is something like, um, how to manage class clowns and what we can learn from them.
1: That's bad. Oh, I want to hear more about this. I mean, because out of 600, 600 kids in my high school class, I got voted class clown, which is why my dad said, well, you know, I don't see me paying for your college. You should really join the military. And that's how I ended up in the Navy right there. <laughs> I
2: mean, and what happened? They got, rid, they got rid of the clown in you? No. No, you're still a clown.
1: This is true.
2: And, and he thought, oh, we're going to get that out of you. And so that's the attitude. You know, we got to straighten you out and wipe that smile off your face. Uh, What's so funny? Uh, And and that is the attitude that I think a lot of us who are working in the field of therapeutic uh, humor uh, are trying to set straight, trying to get people straightened out. So I think you do that a couple of ways. One is information. Give people information. Um, and try to give them some facts. Some people will, uh, uh, it will help them to change their attitude towards uh, humor uh, if they see the science, they see some research uh, about humor and laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, uh, you know, Confucius uh, offered this advice to teachers. uh he said, tell me something, I'll probably forget it. Show me uh, something, I might remember it. Involve me in it, and I'll understand it. Right. So I think we tell people, uh, here's some information, here's an example, uh, here's another example, here's some science, and then that will, that will help them say, oh, well, maybe I'll take another look at it my humor and my laughter and then we start then we can involve them we do laughter exercises we have them watch a funny movie they we help we have activities that help people identify their senses of humor and i love saying that in the plural you don't just have a sense of humor Uh, a joyful life a joyology life uh, is lived by people who've discovered they can have several senses of humor
1: Mm-hmm. And, what, do you, what, can you, what do you mean by that different
2: senses of humor well sometimes uh, some people like to uh, do clowning or see clowns uh, that's one kind of sense of humor some people have a sense of humor they like political humor they like observational humor they like sarcastic humor they like to make puns right, they right. like sexy body humor risque there's, there's Hundreds of words in the English language that describe senses of humor. And so one of the things that uh, uh, I do is I ask people, where do you think you got your sense of humor? Where did it come from? And then they start to think about their family. Well, maybe family, maybe it was radio. Uh, Maybe I liked Saturday Night Live. I like, where did I get my, start to think about yourself and think about your humor in a positive way. How would somebody who knows you well describe, your, describe you when you're being humorous? Oh, yeah, well, gee, this group of friends bring out this kind of side of my sense of humor. But I get some other friends. With them, another kind of my humor comes in. We start to help people understand that their, their ability to be in, in humor, as a phrase, uh, is a strength is a character strength. It can be a morality strength. Uh, it can be a mental health, certainly a sign of mental health. People whose mental health is impaired or weak or in, in trouble, uh, they're either not laughing at anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, easy to see when somebody's depressed. You're very depressed, clinically depressed. I mean, nothing's funny. Or they're laughing in a crazy way in a mania in a maniacal way they're laughing at their own hallucination so um we need to show people that uh, a healthy sense of humor and using humor in a healthy way is a kind of a skill and it's a strength you're not going to have mental health and you're not going to get along well with other people Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to advance in a career or a job unless you cultivate and manifest and show your sense of humor. There was a study that was done a while back with uh, personnel directors and presidents of companies. I think there maybe there were two different studies. And one of the things that they discovered was, if there's a job opening or a promotional opportunity, and you have two people with equal uh, characteristics and, and qualifications for the, for that promotion, or the job opening, it's going to go to the one who has who has a better sense of humor. There's a lot of advantages uh, to humor. We can demonstrate that. We can involve people in activities they can begin to see that for themselves. And then laughter uh, is a physical act. Humor humor is psychological. Uh, it's a way of being amused by what you uh, are experiencing what you're observing, it's mm-hmm. an amusement. It's fun. Uh, and uh, But laughing is, is a physical act that typically you do if you are abused. Uh, but we know that infants in the crib, in the cradle, um, before they have language, before they have any verbal skills, they will giggle. They will laugh. Uh, they'll lay in the crib and laugh if they're healthy. If they're well-fed, if they're loved, there's certain conditions that human beings uh, will groove to. If they exist in your life, you're going to laugh more as a baby and as an adult. But when the infant laughs in the crib, people don't run over and say, gee, she has a great sense of humor. It has nothing to do with that. (laughs) Something else is going on, and that leads us into the whole uh, thing that we're now is becoming more uh, to the front uh, the foreground is the, the brain and how the brain works, the neuroscience, the neurochemistry of humor and laughter. Um, so humor is vital to a good life, to a joyful life, uh, to, re, to resilience, So all the things that are good uh, in life. But it's not enough. Laughter is vital. If, if, if somebody isn't laughing, they, there's going to be a problem. What's blocking them from laughing when they're laughing? And uh, Dr. Fry, Bill Fry, Jr., psychiatrist, uh, said, let's use the term true mirthful laughter. <laughs>
1: And we'll be right back with Steve, but now it's time for fun facts. Fun facts where I share facts about humor, laughter, sometimes whatever I feel like. And this is one of those times. Here's today's fun fact. Four times more people speak English as a foreign language than as a native one. Yes, it's true. It's the most widely spoken tongue in the world with nearly 2 billion people learning it as a second language and only 350 million people speaking it natively. Yes, that's your fun fact. You know what else is a fact and not a foreign language? Laughter, share it. If you can't share your laugh, share your smile. True, mirthful laughter. Now we have the
2: psychologist Rod Barton up in Canada, who has written a tremendously important book called The Psychology of Humor. Uh, and he and other contemporary people in this field are now saying the greatest benefits come to a human being at the intersection of humor, laughter, certain values and so those three things uh are the core of joyology mm-hmm. what you know about humor the right way to use it to use it so it's helpful not hurtful you know those kinds of things are when to laugh how to laugh laugh with and not laugh at people uh very important and i created this uh, six step program called good hearted living six attitudes uh that are very important if you if you can develop and cultivate these as part of a life's joyology is a lifestyle uh, it's not a gimmick it's not a technique it's not a method it's how you decide to live your life so you're going to study and incorporate good healthy humor study and incorporate healthy laughter study and incorporate certain values and then select personal items that appeal to you from what I'm now calling the buffet of joy. Oh, I like that. There are so many things available in life that could help you feel happy and engaged and satisfied. And for some people, it's going to be spinning on a bicycle. Some people, it's going to be Playing music or dancing. For some people, it's going to be meditation and prayer. and So, uh, the buffet of joy is very important. So, joyology uh, says cultivate your senses of humor and enjoy them and appreciate them. Cultivate your laughter and enjoy and appreciate that and share that with other people. Cultivate values. Uh, like gratitude and forgiveness and uh, kindness, things like that. And then add items that you pick from the buffet of joy because they appeal to you personally. For me, it was tap dancing, yo-yos, acting, uh, folk singing, magic. Um, those are things that are from on my buffet. Uh, and then you put that together and say, that's how I want to live my life to the extent that I can and then you can say, I, "I'm a joyologist. I follow the joyology formula for a for a lifestyle that's fulfilling and happy." And
1: yeah. On some of the things you're saying, you know, like going back to what you said about, you know, I'm coupling a few things together here. You know, one that babies will, you know, laugh like, you know, so when you said it to me, I, I, I hear that, you know, almost. Uh, we almost inherently like we're born to be joyful, um, and then coupling that with what you're saying that within you know our society here at least within the United States you know we look at laughter humor as uh, frivolity, and that you know even though we're born to be joyful you know some of that is kind of like taken away from us because of the way that um, we're socialized. Now you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to work, you got to succeed, all these different things. And that's, you know, really, you know, to be successful, we need to get back in touch with that uh, inherent, you know, will to be joyful that we're born with is what I heard you saying from all that's, that it's really not about the, 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 the boardroom and stuff. It's really about, you know, having that balance where we're, taking things from the uh, our joy buffet and putting them into play in our life. And that and will help us really lead a more successful life.
2: I want to share a couple of ideas with you to piggyback on that. Um, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking of Sean Acker. I think it's A-C-H-O-R. Sean Acker, a business consultant, a management consultant who has worked in, I think, best I heard is about 40 different countries uh, to, to help improve workplace, uh, creativity, productivity, teamwork, attitudes. Uh, you find he's got some good stuff on YouTube uh, and and, he's, and books and articles. Sure. But he says, he maintains, and I like the way he presents this, uh, people think if they're successful, they'll be happy. And he says that's upside down. It's your happiness that will help you be successful. And you have to study Sean. Listen, listen, up. take a few minutes, find him on whatever YouTube. Very interesting. It's not that success leads to happiness. It's that being happy helps you be successful. Fascinating. And I like that's turning this whole thing on its ear, uh, turning it, you know, uh, upside down. People, why do we say we're, you're born for joy? Well, A couple things. First of all, we know that people who are born blind and deaf laugh. How do they laugh? Where does it come from? They've never seen it. They've never heard it. They're not learning it from another person, but laughter bubbles up inside of people for some reason. Now, when we look at that, one of the things the neuroscientists are telling us is we're kind of hardwired for joy. The, our, our central nervous system, our neurons, our certain chemicals, there's certain connections in there that say under certain conditions, you're going to be giggling. You're mm-hmm. going to be content. You're going to be joyful, so to speak, or happy. Um, and and uh, uh, so I think we are, in, in a sense, we're, you know, and then the infant left in the crib. Uh, laughing uh not because they get a joke, and then adults you see we I think that most grown ups uh even if they haven't studied this, even if they don't know the science of all this, they sort of they sort of know that this is a good thing because an adult gets around an infant, and the infant giggles, the infant goes. <laughs> And the, an adult sees that, the adult starts laughing, and the adult starts making faces. This is a funny noise. Blah, 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 beep, beep, beep. And we want to get the baby to do it more. We have a sense that this is a good thing. Let's do this. Let's interact with this infant. And uh, right. in all of this to me is some of the evidence. We're born for joy. And then life gets in the way. The world happens and doesn't cooperate with us being continuously high and happy and all that. um, You go from highs to lows. But when the lows happen, there are things we can do to get out of it. Some of the people who recognize this uh, early on in what I would call contemporary, the contemporary world, were nurses. Nurses in hospitals treating patients and then observing how the patient's mood, attitude, humor, laughter, changed as they were healing and Mm -hmm. feeling better. And then they thought maybe even if they could have some of this uh, cheerfulness, so to speak, maybe that would contribute to healing. And then the nurses said, we're going to sort of organize around this. They formed a little group called the NFL that stood for Nurses for Laughter. And the medical profession did. And, of course, that evolved into the Association for Applied in therapeutic humor over time, we became more interested in the science of it. But you know, we know this is it. I think I'm an optimist. I think life is meant to be good, and um, but not always. It can't always be. But when it isn't, uh, maybe we can come back to the to the better part of it, to the more joyful part of it,
1: right. more quickly. Well, and I agree with. You in essence, being responsible for your own self-care, your own joy that I'm mean, Like 2013 was a horrible year for me. And so I decided, and I was in a bunk, I don't, you know, and so I decided that each day I was just going to find a joke that resonated with me, getting in touch with my own sense of humor. Cause it had to meet, you know, the joke had to um, meet certain parameters. And then I you know, posted a joke a day on Facebook for a year and um, you know, it, and what was funny is that people would, you know, like it and say, oh, I, you know, I love your joke of the day. And they share it with other people and, oh, you're, you know, they would get so much joy, which brought me joy. But um, they didn't realize that I was really just doing it for me. It was completely self-serving.
2: It's a very, <laughs> important, it's a very important point. And it's part of what Patch Adams uh, is doing very recently uh, in, in attempting to make a contribution to – the healing of PTSD among uh, service members um, and uh, he talks about that if we can help people find their own sense of compassion and share it with other people you shared humor with other people and that would probably you know lighten their load for a couple minutes or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, But you said you did it for yourself. And and we're beginning to see that if we can help the the service uh, members who uh, have PTSD symptoms to exercise their own compassion on behalf of other people, they get better. Everybody feels better. It may be a healing process. So compassion runs through joyology. Everything about good hearted living, everything about healthy humor, healthy laughter, there is a thread of compassion. And, you know, what you did was, I mean, it was, you're instinctive. You, you, this is what happens to a class clown when they grow up. (laughs) You grew up and then you said, uh, and you had a sense, you had an instinct to share fine jokes that maybe tickled you, and share them with other people. And that was a very compassionate thing for you to do. Maybe you didn't dress it up with that in a fancy bow called compassion, but that's what you were doing, and you felt better. You felt better giving it away to other people. That is, that's why you're
1: a joyologist. Well, how about that? I didn't even know it. That's right, and I'm
2: trying to figure out now – for 35 years or so, I've been the joyologist, and uh, now I'm working on a way that anybody can decide they wanna be a joyologist. You wanna follow a lifestyle that uses the tools to recover from difficulty and, and, and awaken the joy of being alive. Those are the two promises of joyology. Uh, recover from difficulty. And synonyms for difficulty are stress, pressure, adversity, uh, depression, unhappiness. How do we recover from those things?
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And uh, I'm using the phrase, and I I picked this up from C.W. Metcalf, a very, very important person in in all of this, Um, reawaken the joy of being alive. And and I like the phrase reawakened because it, it it means it was there once, it was awake once, right? And then it happened, stuff happens, and and the joy of being alive was elusive, sort of went away. Right. Uh, we can bring that back.
1: I like that. Yeah, and I like I like and I like that you're working on how other people can you know be joyologists as well. Well, I have really, as always, enjoyed talking to you, my friends. Um, Where do you want people to go so they can get a little more information on uh, Steve Wilson and Joyology? Um, Well, go
2: to the website worldlaughtertour.com. Friend me on my Facebook page, Steve Wilson. I put a lot of information out on Facebook. LinkedIn. Um, as you know, several years ago, I became the director of National Humor Month. Started about almost 40 years ago by Larry Wild, and, and then he turned it over to me. Uh, so there's humormonth.com. There's almost everything there that will help people to promote humor is for is there for free to the world, uh, especially. Uh, something we developed called Funny Literacy, how to use humor to help kids enjoy reading. Um, and anybody, parent, teacher, librarian, anybody's interested in that can find it at humormonth.com. Um, there's so many people who are working to make the world better through these ideas, and we've identified them in our foundation, the Laughter Arts and Sciences Foundation. Uh, We call them starfish projects. Uh, I think you'd be fascinated. You want to know who's working on these things and what you can do to support people. Uh, Go to laughterfoundation.org, nonprofit uh, 501c3, and you'll find dozens of uh, people and their projects that we've identified we think are terrific. Uh, they deserve a spotlight, and we set up a way you can give them a few bucks. You can help them out, give them some support for their project. You know, it's going to take a village to get this job done, to get people to appreciate humor and laughter. And that's it's going to take a rather large village, it's yeah. going to take a lot of villagers. And they're not all going to think the same way. It's wonderful, the variety of personalities and ideas and how this can be done. And we're going and you'll meet the people who are doing it together. And then come and become a certified laughter leader. Take the course, two days, how to create therapeutic laughter. And it's available for home study. You can do it at home. Come to a live workshop. Join the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor. Join the International Society for Humor Studies.
1: Lighten up! Don't tighten up. Nice, very nice. <laughs> now, before we close, um, I know that uh, you've got to you've got to have a joke uh, for the day. So, I just want to end with uh, a little bit of humor. So, what's uh, what do you have for a joke today?
2: Knock knock.
1: Who's who's there? Hippo. If the who?
2: I can't tell you. Now that's an in, an inside joke. But tell your doctor, tell the nurse. Knock knock. Who's there? HIPAA, HIPAA, who? I can't tell you. They love it. They will. Love it. It's very funny to some people. <laughs>
1: it, is, it is funny. It is funny. It is funny. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Um, I got a lot from our conversation, and I know that the listeners will as well.
2: You're incredible. Thanks for the opportunity, keep doing it, keep having, wish you the energy and the health and every opportunity to succeed in all the things you aspire to because they're all good. Thank you for your service and thank you for the good work that you will continue to do. So happy to be your friend.
1: Well, there you go. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Steve Wilson, psychologist, joyologist. I'm encourage you to check Steve out. Go to worldlaftertour.com. Connect with him. He has got archives. Well, I say archives of great information that he loves to share with people. So reach out. I'm also going to tell you, you're going to want to go to our website, aath.org, and check us out. We are a pretty awesome association. And I'm going to tell you to mark your calendars now. Yeah, now. The conference next year. The 14th through the 17th of May is in the Big Easy. The Crescent City, the city on the river, it is in New Orleans. So, come on by, have a hurricane and a laugh. Well, until next time, this is Chip Lutz saying, we'll keep the laugh on for you.
0: Thanks for listening to Laugh Box. If you'd like to learn more about AATH, visit our website at www.aath.org or email the host at chip at unconventionalleader.com and if you'd like to be particularly awesome leave us a review on iTunes and or tell your friends about how awesome the podcast is unless you didn't think it was awesome and then just keep it your little secret or tell them it was awesome and then laugh to yourself about how you're going to be wasting an hour of their time while you're out doing something productive like handing out heads of cabbage at a Miley Cyrus concert (laughs) thanks again for listening And may the farce be with you.